Hey guys, welcome to United. My name is Ryan. I'm the student pastor here at Beach. I'm so stinking excited that we are back in Block 84 um, to start this Rooted series. The Rooted series, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is a series where we are going to um, do it together as a church. The kids are doing it. The students are doing it. We're doing it in big church. Um, and so it involves weekend worship here at United and then you can have the opportunity to use the books and do the daily devotionals. And then we go to life groups on Wednesday nights um, and we talk about what's going on. And we're just entering everything with expectations. And we're starting from the very beginning and rooted and going through everything that the Bible talks about, everything that it means to follow Jesus. Um, and we're so excited to do this season together. Um, and I believe that amazing things are going to happen. And we're starting it off tonight. So excited. Let's start in prayer and then we will get started. Jesus, we love you. I pray that whether we are here and we don't believe in you and we are questioning or if we um, love you and are following you and everything in between, I pray that we would hear from you tonight, that you would speak into each of our hearts, even if we don't realize it's you, that you would speak into our hearts, that we would hear from you tonight and learn more of who you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight we are going to answer the question, who is God? Who is God? Who is God? Now, this is a really, really, really important question. And here's why. Because who we think people are changes the way we relate to them, changes the way we treat them. It, it changes everything. And so, if you believe, let me give you an example. If you believe that someone across the street from you, that you're walking down the street, it's dark, it's nighttime, um, if you believe they are a criminal or that they're sketchy and you're worried about them, what are you going to do? You're going to walk down another road. You're going to walk far away from them. You're not going to make eye contact. You might cover up your wallet or your purse. You are going to make sure um, that they don't get you because that's who you think they are, and it makes you re react in a different way. But if they're your friend, what are you going to do? You're going to go straight up to them. You're going to hug them. You're going to high-five them. You're not going to worry about getting things stolen from you because that's your friend. And you're going to relate to them in a different way. It's the same thing like if you have a teacher at school or a coach and you think, man, they love me. I'm like one of their favorites. I know they're not supposed to have favorites, but I'm one of their favorites. Um, you're going to go up to them. You're going to hang out with them before practice or before class, after class. You're going to be like, what's up? How can I get extra credit? How things going? How's your, how's your wife? How's your kids? All that kind of stuff. But if you think they hate you, what are you going to do? You're not going to look at them. You're going to avoid them. You're going to go over to your other friends and be like, I can't believe that. Man, they, they hate me. It doesn't matter what I do. They hate me. And you're going you're gonna, to badmouth them. You're going to say all kinds of things because you think that they hate you. And so that changes the way you treat them. There's a movie um, that came out in 1995, I believe. I was like 10 years old. Um, and it was called... Aladdin. I, I know there's a lot of Aladdin fans out here. One of the most famous Disney movies of all, the, of all time. And we got this young kid, and, and in his own words, he says, uh, he says, uh, Riff Raff Street Rat, I don't buy that. If only they look closer, would they see a poor boy? No siree. They'd find out there's so much more to me. So poor Aladdin, he's, he's a street kid. No one cares about him. He says, I'm one step ahead of the bread line. That's all. And that's no joke. See, I know all the Disney songs because that's, that's what I grew up on. So, um, so Aladdin is being treated poorly by um, the guards. He's getting chased around. 
Saudi Arabia or wherever they live, um, and he is just like, uh, he's a nobody. No one cares about him. But then he meets this genie, and he gets these three wishes, and he becomes Prince Ali. And now he walks into the same place with the same look, the same person, but he's got nice clothes on. He's got an elephant and some strong men around him, and he's got money. And so he comes in, and people are like, oh, my gosh, this is a distant uh, prince from another land. Let, let's introduce him to the sultan. Let's introduce him to the princess. All the guards are bowing down to him. They're all treating him differently because they think he's someone different. It changes the way they relate to him. Another example, I got a friend named Cody. He used to go to student ministry here, um, and... Uh, and he's a, he's a tall guy, he's in his, in his young 20s, and um, he lives around this area. And a lot of people see him at, at restaurants or, or, or kind of out in the Jacksonville Beach area, and they think, hey, that's Blake Bortles. And he's had people come up to him and say, hey, man, you're Blake Bortles. Hey, oh, man, this is awesome. Can I take a selfie or whatever? And, uh, and a lot of times he'll just, uh, I know he'll just say, like, uh, that, that's not who I am. I'm not Blake Bortles. But I know at least one or two times he's just said, oh, yeah, that's me. And he's taking selfies with people, and they're posting their pictures. And people are like, oh, I met Blake Bortles. And everyone else is like, you're an idiot. That's not Blake Bortles. But um, when people think he's Blake Bortles, what do they want to do? They want to come up. They don't know him, but they're coming up to him. Hey, man, I, oh, you're awesome. Because they think he's the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're like, oh, man, this is great. But if they don't think it's him, or if they don't get mistaken identity, then they just look at him, and they look at him like anybody else they don't know. They might walk by, give him a head nod or whatever, and that's it. Because how they, who they think he is changes how they treat him, or changes how they relate to him, or changes what they think of him. And so that all leads us to the main point of tonight's And it is this, to be rooted in God, we must know who God is. To be rooted in God, we must know who God is. Write that down. To be rooted in God, we must know who God is. You can't be rooted in something or someone that you know nothing about or that you think is someone that they are not. Because then you're rooted in a lie or you're rooted in something that's false. And so to be rooted in God, we must know who he is. Our biggest problem, one of our biggest problems as human beings, as, as a human race, is misunderstanding who God is. Man, over the, over the last, uh, I don't know, few hundred years, thousand years, there are so many things that people have done wrong to other people, mistreating other people and all that, because, because they misunderstood who God is. And it's not just uh, terrorism today when they think, oh, well, God wants me to do this. I mean, Christians did it too. Christians have done a lot of bad things because they thought God wanted them to do something or they thought God was someone that he is not, that is not in the scripture. A lot of people blame that on God. Well, it's really because that human, that imperfect human misunderstood who God was. And it still happens today in our hearts. We, we do things, we say things, uh, we, we react in ways that are wrong because we misunderstand who God is. There's this old guy, he, he passed away years ago. Um, he's a theologian, studied, studied God's word. Um, and his name is A.W. Tozer. You may have heard this quote before. He says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When God is mentioned, 
when someone brings up God, when someone says God, when you go to church, whatever it is, what comes into your mind, and this isn't just for Christians, because something comes into all of our minds when we hear the word God. So, um, and it may be right, it may be wrong, it may be good, it may be bad, but something comes into our minds. What comes into your mind in that moment when you think of God is the most important thing about you. Now, Mr. A.W. Tozer understood that we need to understand who God really is. And it will change us. Because how we look at God affects our actions. It affects our relationships. It affects our friendships. It affects our decision making. It affects our future. It affects everything. If you think God is something that he's not, you're going to start reacting in ways that are wrong. And so... Um, and I'll give you plenty of examples of that as we, as we move forward. But so, we need to understand that this is such an important thing. And also, I just want you uh, Christians, you, you professional Christians out there to understand that this talk is for you. A lot of times we might say, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so I know God. Well, that's not true. First of all, we can never fully, fully know and understand God. But uh, second of all, there are plenty of misperceptions and misunderstandings we have in different seasons of life and different times of life. Just last week, I, I, I had an opportunity um, to pray over someone, or I thought, like, maybe I should go pray over that person, and I thought, well, God's not going to do that. Well, I was misunderstanding who God was in that moment. I'm the, I'm the one that gets up here and preaches every week, and I know if it happens in my heart, it happens in everybody's heart that we all have these misunderstandings of God. And you could be saved and still misunderstand a certain aspect of God's character or something about him, or look at him in the wrong way. And so this is such an important thing for all of us. And, 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 and what I want to go through is four versions of God that are false, that are lies, that a lot of us believe. A lot of us Christians, a lot of non-Christians, people all over the world, different religions, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, that they believe about God. And maybe someone tells them this. Maybe they read it somewhere. But they're all false versions or fake versions or incomplete versions of God. And so here's the first one. A lot of people believe in a Santa Claus God. Now Santa Claus God, um, a Santa Claus God should give me whatever I want. I ask for it, I receive it. He needs to give it to me. He has all this power. He should give me what I want. Here's the problem with the Santa Claus God. If you believe in a Santa Claus God, then what happens when you don't get what you want? You run. You get angry. You throw a temper tantrum, and you're done. Everything's based on whether or not you get what you want. It's not based on a relationship. This is a lie. This is a, this is a false God that so many people believe in. Here's another God. The guilt trip or the angry God. The guilt trip or the angry God. Now this is the God that hates us. The God that is disappointed in us. The God that says, I can't believe you did that Friday night, or I can't believe you did that last night, and you, you deserve to be punished. This is the God that, he made us, but he really doesn't like us. He really wants nothing to do with us. And, uh, and, and he just looks at us, and he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that again. They're so stupid. What are they doing? This is the God that um, really just doesn't love you. He's just mad at you. Or he looks at you and he says, how, how dare you do that? Shame on you. And he just puts guilt on us and heaps all this guilt on us because we did something wrong. Now this God is once again 
fake, false, and complete. Because if you believe in this God, do you really want to be in a relationship with him? Do we want to be close to people that are angry at us? No, we run away. We, 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 we separate for a certain amount of time. And that's what a lot of us do. A lot of Christians believe in a God that's angry at them, that's giving them guilt. And so they do something wrong and they don't come to church for three months because they're running away. Why are they running away? Because they don't understand who God is. Third uh, version of God um, that, is, that is false is the doesn't care God. This is the God that we believe, oh, they created everything they created me, uh, or he created me, and, um, and uh, he created the world, but he doesn't care anymore. He's kind of just sitting up there on his throne. He's not really paying attention, or maybe he's looking down at us like, oh, my gosh, uh, these guys again, and, and just kind of watching us make a fool of ourselves. And, and he just kind of, um, he kind of has nothing to do with us. And here's the problem with this. If you believe in a God that doesn't care what you do, you're going to do whatever you want. If you have nothing or no God that cares about you and a no God to live for, then you're going to live for yourself. You're going to do what you want to do. Because they're far away. They, they have nothing to do with you. God has nothing to do with you. And here's the fourth and final version of God that so many of us fall into believing in. It's the weak God. This is the God that's small. Yeah, he's stronger than us, but can he really do all things? Can he really answer my prayer? Is he really able to do much of anything? Now, if you believe in this God, it's going to affect your prayer life. It's going to affect your worship life. Why would you worship something that's barely even better than you? God can't change anything. He's weak. He's small. Now, all four of these gods are false. These are fake gods. And so here's what I want to do. I just want us to stop listening to the world for a moment. Stop listening to what we see on the internet. Stop listening to someone told me. And I want us to start exploring God and experiencing God for ourselves. That's what this whole series is about, experiencing God for ourselves, exploring him for ourselves. That's why it's a great series for someone who's, who, who loves God and is following Jesus. And it's great for someone who's just like, ah, I just, I have some questions. I'm not really sure about all this. And maybe you're running away from a God who's not actually God, from a false idea. Maybe you believe in a God that isn't the God of the Bible, that isn't actually God. Or maybe you don't believe in this false idea of God. This false idea of God is why you don't want to believe. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you if you don't believe in the angry God or if you don't want to have a relationship with the doesn't care God or if you get mad because you don't get everything you want and, and you think there's a Santa Claus God or if you don't believe in this weak, small God. I don't blame you because they're not real and they're not very good. Why would you want a relationship with any of them? And so I just want us to explore God for ourselves. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to look at Scripture. We're going to see what Jesus, who is God, said about God. We're going to see what God says about himself. We're going to see what Christian writers say about God. And I think you're going to see that it makes a lot more sense than some of these false gods. So here's the first thing. And this kind of goes against the Santa Claus notion. And it's this, God won't give you everything you want because he is a good father. 
God's not going to give you everything you want because he is a good father. You may say, wait, 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 wait. If he's a good father, he should give me what I want. No. No, let me explain. John 10.10 says this. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Let me tell you, the things that you are experimenting with, the things that you think are so attractive and so great, they will destroy you. A sexual relationship, that lust, that addiction, that selfishness, that pride, they will destroy you. You may think, oh, no, 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 Ryan, you don't, you don't understand. No, I understand fully. It will kill and destroy. That's what Jesus is saying here. The world comes to kill and destroy, but he says, God does something else. I do something else. I have come that they may have life, that you may have life, and have it to the full, and have it abundantly, and have freedom, and have an exciting life. God wants more for us than the junk that we want. And so God doesn't give us everything we ask for. God is more interested in giving us what we need. Or he's more interested in giving us what we want, but in a different way than we thought. Or at a later time when we're ready for it. Or maybe, maybe, we, maybe we desire acceptance, and instead of, us, um, instead of him giving us the acceptance that we desire, this small, tiny acceptance, he's got a much uh, greater version of acceptance through him farther down the road. And we just need to trust him because he's a good father. And, and this is just like kids and adults. I just went on vacation to the U.S. Virgin Islands with uh, my family, with Karen's family, and, uh, and we took our, our nephew, and this is a picture of him. Um, and I know, oh, he's so cute, but you can't believe the looks. You can't believe the hype with kids because kids are crazy. All of them, they're crazy. They will do the most ridiculous things and then get mad at you when you try to stop them. And this kid, he was, on a, he was on like a suicide mission the whole trip. He's trying to eat things off the street or eat things off the beach. He's running into the ocean, even though he's only a year and a half, and he can't really handle the waves. He's, he's running out into traffic, and he's trying to just run wherever he wants. He's about to fall downstairs and do all these things. And all, over and over again, his parents, his grandparents, Karen and I, his aunt and uncle, we would, we would scoop him up and stop him. And guess what he would do when we would try to keep him from danger? crying, fake tears, screaming, yelling, kicking. And that's what he would do, even though we were doing what was best for him. You guys see the picture I'm painting? So often, God is saying, oh, just stop. Don't, Don't go after that. And he's trying to pick us up and just put us somewhere else and say, stay over here. It's better for you right now. Hey, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to give you what you really want, what you need Stop, stop going in that direction. And then what do we do? Like little kids were crying and screaming because we didn't get what we want. The truth is, God is not Santa Claus. He won't give us everything we want because we, what we want is wrong many times. But he's a good father. He gives us what we need. Here's the second thing, and this goes against um, the guilt trip and angry God. God isn't angry with you. God isn't angry with you. God loves you. Write that down, please. God isn't angry with you. God Loves you. And Jesus, uh, uh, or, or John, I'm sorry, John, one of Jesus' closest friends, writes about it in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. He says this, Dear friends, 
Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. So he didn't just talk about it. He proved it in action that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. This is one of the most emphasized parts of God in Scripture. Now, God has a lot of characteristics, and he can be fully love and fully knowledge and fully wisdom and fully compassion all at once because he's God. But one of the most emphasized characteristics of God throughout the Scriptures, and as Jesus talked about him, is love. And loving us so much that he sacrificed. He is not angry with you. He does not love you based on what you do. He loves you based on who he is. And the fact that you are his creation. You are his children. So when you do something wrong, run to him. Because he loves you. Don't run away. He's not angry at you. He's not angry at you. He loves you. That's why he's given us grace. Yes, there is There is. Um, consequence for our sins, but that consequence was put on Jesus. And through Jesus, we are given grace because God loves us. Here's the third thing. God isn't far away. He is intimately involved. God isn't far away. He is intimately involved in your life. So this goes against this idea of a doesn't care God. The God that, ah, you know what? He created us and and now he's gone. He, He doesn't care about me. Listen to what Isaiah 41.10 says, and this is God speaking through Isaiah. So when it says I, it's God speaking. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 41.10, thousands of years ago. So do not fear, for I am with you. That doesn't sound like an absentee God or a doesn't care God. He says he's with us. He's not far away. He's with us. And he's going to go on. Do not be dismayed or discouraged or troubled, for I am your God. Here's the thing about him saying, I am your God. You may say, he's not my God. God is God, whether you believe it or not. God is your God, whether you believe it or accept it or not. Just because you don't believe something doesn't change it if it's a fact. If I say this TV that's right next to me, I don't believe it's there. Is it still there? Yeah. That TV is there whether I believe it or not. And in the same way, whether we believe or not that God is our God, God is God. It's a fact. And so we should be not, be, not be dismayed or troubled because he is our God. God says, I will strengthen you and help you. So he doesn't just leave us alone. He says, I know life's tough. I know there's bad circumstances. I'm going to strengthen you and help you through it. And then listen to this. This is so um, awesome. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Whatever's going on, I got you. I got you in my hand. Does that sound like a withdrawn, doesn't care God? No. No, he communicates with us. He actually sent his son to earth to be with us. That's as involved as it gets. And here's the last thing, and this goes against the weak God. God isn't weak. He can do all, and he knows all. He can do all. And he knows all. Matthew 19, 26. Matthew 19, 26. 
Jesus is talking to his disciples, and something awesome just happened, a miracle just happened, and they're like, oh, I can't believe this happened. What's going on? And Jesus says this. He looks at them, and he says, with man, this is impossible. So you guys, with just you guys, this can't happen. These miracles, these things that you're seeing cannot happen with men. But, but, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. God can do all things. Now you may say, well, he didn't do this, so, so he, he must not be able to. Well, God's God. Just like you make a decision, there's a lot of things you could do that you decide not to do because it's not the best for you or for someone else or, or, or whatever. Now, God in his perfect ways will decide how to use his power, but he can do all things. He can change anyone. He's changed so many of you and so many people you know in this room. He performs miracles every day, whether you've seen them or not. They're happening. The world's a lot bigger than just our perspective. But here's a really cool thing that a lot of people don't pay as much attention to. They say, yeah, God can do all things, but they, they, they don't focus on the second part, which God knows all things. Psalm 139, 139, verses 1 through 4. And this is the last scripture we'll look at. David, King David, is writing about God, and he's talking about what he's seen from God. And he talks about God's knowledge here. And this is awesome. This is awesome. Listen to this. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, God knows that you're sitting down right now, whether or not he, uh, he doesn't have to be here, although he is here. He, he knows that you're sitting down. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. That's a scary thought for a lot of you. You don't want to think that anyone can know your thoughts. I don't even know my wife's thoughts. You don't know anybody else's thoughts, ever. But God knows our thoughts, and he even understands them. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways, with my habits, with my personality, with my moods. Listen to this. This is so cool. Before a word is on my tongue, as I am talking right now, God knows each next word that's going to be on my tongue. He says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You know it completely, O Lord. God knows all. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows how old you are. He knows everything you're going to do, everything you have done. He knows all things. And, and here's the cool thing. When you might say, ah, oh, well, he didn't do what I thought he was going to do. Well, maybe that's because he had knowledge that you didn't have. Because he knows everything. And you just have this tiny perspective. And so we can trust that he's going to use his power to do all things right because he knows all things. And these are the answers that God, that scripture, that truth gives us for those false gods. And here's the thing, those false gods, they don't really go together. You can't be a Santa Claus God and an angry God. You can't not care but still be angry. You either don't care or you're angry. You can't be weak and still be able to give people everything. Like None of these things make sense together. But listen to these, these all make sense. If he's a good father, why is he a good father? Because he loves us. Why does he love us? Because he's a good father. Why is he intimately evolved? Because he's a good father and because he loves us. How can he do all things and know all things? How can he forgive me and, and know all things and yet still love me because he's a good father? Because he's powerful to do all things and look past our wrongs. They all make sense. They all go together. It's logical thinking here. So here's what I want you to do for a moment. Tonight, this week, throughout this series, I want you to just think, what if? Just close your eyes and imagine, what if? What if God 
is all-powerful? What if God is all-powerful and yet still loves you? Here's the amazing thing. He loves us even though he knows we're going to mess up again. If I forgive somebody for something they do to me, what am I assuming? I'm assuming they're not going to do it again. I trust you're not going to hurt me in that way again. Well, God forgives us knowing we are going to do those things again. Oh God, please, 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 I'll never do it again if you just let me out of this situation. And God says, okay, I forgive you, even though I know that you're going to do it again in two months, three days, and two hours. But I forgive you. Yeah, I love you. How can he do that? Because he can do all things. Because he loves us. What if an all-powerful and all-knowing God that even knows your thoughts still loves you? What if? What if God isn't angry at you? What if he wants you to know him and be in a relationship with him? What if he actually knows what's best for you better than you know yourself? What if he really does want to give you the desires of your heart, as scripture says? What if he wants you to experience him? What if he can change your life? What if maybe you've had an incomplete or an incorrect version of God in your mind? What would change in your life? How would that change your relationship with him? How would that change the way you live and the way you treat people? How would that change the way you serve? How would that change uh, your decision-making and your priorities? It would change everything. Because who we think people are, who we think God is, changes the way we relate to him. So let's agree. Let's agree that over the, the, the coming days, in the coming weeks, that together we will experience and explore God for ourselves. That we will try to get to know Him better. That we'll read our devotionals uh, through the Rooted Books, if you've got one. That we'll come to live groups consistently, come to United every week, and and that we'll do this thing together, that we will expect God to do big things. Because when we expect God to do big things, and when we're consistent, and when we pursue Him, He will do amazing things. He'll show us Himself in ways that have never happened. Already tonight, it's just been an awesome night of seeing what he is going to do in this series. And I just want to give you the opportunity um, to, to give your life um, over to the Lord. Maybe you're, maybe you're saying, oh, well, I've never, uh, I've never really um, heard about this kind of God that loves me. Yeah, the gods that I thought about, I didn't really want to have anything to do with them. But this God that you're talking about, this is new. This is something I want to experience. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do it tonight. And I know we haven't talked all about... Um, Jesus and, and going to the cross and all that, but we've talked about how God's a loving father, how he loved us, how he sent his son. And it's really pretty simple. We're messed up. We need a savior. God loves us enough to send us Jesus and give us grace. So with um, your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to give you the opportunity to pray this prayer. It's not my special prayer that saves you. It's that you are believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God, and that God raised him from the dead and that he will change your life, and you are giving your life over to him. You're giving all of you to all of God. And so you can just pray this prayer with me out loud or, or, or in the quiet of your heart. God knows your heart. Jesus, I'm yours. I know I've messed up. I know I'm not perfect, but I want to be in a relationship with you. I know that you love me, that you can do all things, that you are a good father, And that you want to be involved with me. And so Lord, I surrender to you. I entrust my life to you. Change me by the power of the cross and the resurrection. 
Forgive me. And help me chase after you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've made that decision, that's the most important decision you will ever make. Your life has just begun a new journey with new beginnings and so much change. What we're going to do together is we're all going to stand up and we are going to worship God for the good Father that He is and for how much He loves us. So let's worship together.